There were a lot of good reasons to go to art museums in 1930, when the world was coming apart. People went to be elevated, ennobled by the high white columns and the expensive art, to be stretched to their full height by the best of our strange and beautiful imagination. Or they went to measure their own tastes against those who supposedly knew better, those who would put things on pedestals. Or they went to imagine they were somewhere else, as in a painting, the south of France or the mountains of Yosemite, and not, in fact, in the worst depression anyone had ever seen. But in Minneapolis, they could also go see a woman at the museum, named Miriam McHugh Taney. In a photograph from 1930, she appears like a ghost, spotlit on a stage in a white dress and white heels, among the deep shadows of a fake fireplace in Candelabra, more apparition than woman, as though conjured in a seance to sit on stage with an empty cup of tea. But she was very real, this Miriam McHugh Taney, and for years she appeared on the stage at the Minneapolis Institute of Art where she was the all-purpose lecturer, the professional know-it-all, who could talk about the Italian Renaissance and medieval France and Rococo decor, and it was all the same to her. She was on the radio, too, and in the galleries giving tours, talking about art to all kinds of people, but for one complicated reason. This is The Object, produced by the Minneapolis Institute of Art. Today, the story of the woman who knew everything, so that everyone might learn a little something. I'm Tim Gehring. Miriam McHugh Taney was once Miriam McHugh, a girl in the early 1900s in Minneapolis with her sister and her mother and her father, who was a bigwig in the Chamber of Commerce. Her father was famous, in fact, or infamous, among people who knew about grain, which was a lot of people in Minnesota in the 1900s, people who farmed grain or bought grain or sold grain. He stood up against a group of small farmers who had banded together in co-ops to harvest more income from their grain. He stood up for the big guys, And so began a war you never heard of, the Grain Wars of the 1910s. Miriam's grandfather, who lived with the family when Miriam was young, had moved to the area over in Hudson, Wisconsin, in 1857, with a bunch of goods that he opened a store to sell. He worked in grain, too, and lumber, wherever the money was, until finally he worked where the money literally was, in banking. They were the kind of family that, by 1913, was written up in the village gossip section of the local magazine when they returned to Minneapolis from vacation on the Pacific coast, in case you were wondering where they'd been or why they looked so refreshed. And Miriam was the kind of girl who submitted a story called The Cheerful Giver to the St. Nicholas League magazine in 1911, a magazine that had once published F. Scott Fitzgerald and E.B. White. She made the list of writers whose work would have been used had space permitted. The kind of girl who went to Smith College. When she was 26, in 1926, she married Clifford Taney, a lawyer. 
Mr. Taney had studied at West Point, where his foot had been shredded by a piece of steel in a freak accident and had to be amputated. And so he abandoned soldiering for the law. By all accounts, was good-natured about the whole thing. They moved into a house near a rambling creek in a leafy section of Minneapolis. By then, Miriam was already giving lectures and tours at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, advertised in a curious way like this. It is a fact that a visitor's interest in objects in the museum increases in geometric proportion to his knowledge of them. That is, that one additional fact doubles his interest and two facts quadruple it. An ad that could only have come out of the Jazz Age, the 1920s, when everything could be made better, faster, smarter, including people. In the photo from 1930, where Miriam appeared like a ghost among the tea and candles, She was lecturing in the museum's new auditorium. Built in 1926 to host concerts and dance recitals and lectures like Miriam's to help people become better, faster, smarter. She was talking about how to identify early American furniture. So you can impress your friends, presumably, if you spotted some furniture in the wild. But also so you could be more American more attuned to the things that Americans were supposed to care about, especially American women. That same year, on her radio show, she talked about good taste in furniture, practical suggestions the museum advertised that should be of value to every woman who takes pride in her home. Never mind that the museum declared these radio talks fundamentally designed for a less artistically sophisticated audience than our members. They were plenty sophisticated. No one talks about furniture on the radio anymore. Homemakers listen to learn, to learn how to make a good home. Miriam was so popular already in 1926 that the museum expanded her gallery tours and in 1930 offered special gallery tours just for her radio listeners. She was a celebrity of sorts, among the homemakers of Minneapolis. And then, she disappeared. In the mid-1930s, Miriam and Clifford began touring the world, something that takes a long time now, and took even longer then. And they seem to have traveled with their own professional photographer, something wealthy people did back then, to document the exotic, often colonial locales where they disembarked. The Taj Mahal in Victoria Falls, and a market in Mexico, and the Royal Hawaiian Hotel in Honolulu, where they watch dancers do the hulu, and dozens of other places. The photos are now in a library in Minneapolis, beautiful black and white images of a beautiful world on the brink of war when the optimism of better, faster, smarter was being trampled in the breadlines. When Miriam returned, she gave more lectures on her travels. And then, it's hard to say, 
She got busy, got bored, got involved in the war effort that changed everything. She disappeared. But she probably still believed that art could make you better.